Good morning, church. What a privilege and an honor it is to uh, be welcome to come here. I spoke to a forum of about 50 people downstairs before the service, and they're going to hear a little bit. Uh, uh, you're going to hear a little bit of what I shared with them downstairs. I was invited to come to, to speak to the forum on uh, climate change and what people are doing and, and for environmental sustainability. And, I'm, and then Tony says, well, why don't you preach as long as you're here? <laughs> so I said, I would love to. And um, so here I am on uh, Super Bowl Sunday. Boo. <laughs> I'll be watching. Anyway, um, this is the last Sunday in Epiphany. So it's that pivotal Sunday. It come, come kind of early this year. It's that pivotal Sunday when we begin to think about picking up the cross and following Jesus. So. But before we go there, um, I am also thrilled to be here where we're going to um, dedicate and bless a service dog. Cliff. Tony said I could tell this story. Okay. So uh, when I was the priest in Needham, um, there was a service dog that was in church, and, and, and I knew that very soon at my first Eucharist and second and so forth, and he was guiding his uh, blind master, uh, woman up to the, up to the uh, altar rail so that she could receive communion. And one day I dropped the wafer on the ground, and the service dog ate it. The holy wafer. And so the next Sunday, I could really tell the dog was more eager to get up to the altar there. <laughs> and she told me. He, he, he remembered. So I said, what the heck? And I gave him the wake. So she moved several, you know, a few years later. And um, I got a call from the priest in the parish season. And she said, he said, Bud, please tell me you're not giving the consecrated wafer to her dog. I said, of course I did. And then he, he was shocked. And then he thought about it. And then he started doing it. So anyway, uh, I'm not saying that the dog, we're going to give the dog the consecrated wafer today, but uh, you can think and pray about that one uh, as, as time goes forward. So um, the other, and, and the other thing about that is, um, in, in terms of thinking about our stewardship of the environment, you know, to have one of God's blessed creatures. One of uh, St. Francis calls them our non-human kin. We are all family in this earth with all creatures, great and small. So it's wonderful to have one of God's, non one of our non-human kin to be a part of this service today. <laughs> um, so the other piece of this is I, I find it a real honor and joy to be able to come here um, before your beloved rector leaves you in the spring. And uh, I, I just want to say that Tony is one of the priests in the diocese that I have the most respect for and admiration. He is a wonderful pastor. You, I'm telling you what you already know. But, you know, I just got to share what I know. And I know what you're going through. He's a wonderful pastor, priest friend and colleague 
and Dean. And he's done amazing ministry, not by himself, but with you in all the years here. Now, I think the building, which I was overwhelmed with, because I haven't seen the building. It's been five years since I've been here. So I walked in, and man, it was really something. And uh, the journey you took together was a hard one and a long one. And now you're celebrating and living into it. And pretty soon you'll be saying goodbye. And then I said, as I said all along, as bishop to congregations, and, and please don't stress and worry about who your next priest is going to be. Okay? For now, you celebrate the times you've had, the times you're still having, celebrating it, giving thanks, doing what God is calling you to do. And after he's gone, there'll be plenty of time to worry and stress about your next priest. <laughs> and with the help of the diocese, I hope the worry and the stress will be minimal. And that will be a new chapter and journey for you as well. So I'm great. I'm glad to be here to uh, say thank you to Tony for being such a wonderful colleague and friend. So what about this um, epiphany on a mountaintop with Jesus? Glorified. The disciples, unlike, unlike the people with Moses who couldn't see, there was a veil on their face, but the disciples could see clearly the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. They were the first to say, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Because we see glory on his face. Can you blame Peter, who's always screwing up, but can you blame Peter for wanting to stay on top of the... Uh, top? Screwing up is great because we all screw up. And you, know, you know the story. So it, he reconciles. But um, he wants to stay up there and build a booth, memorialize the whole, at the whole occasion and time with, with Jesus. And I think he forgot what Jesus told him probably a few days before that. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter was the one who said, you're the Messiah. And then Jesus wanted to make sure he understood what the Messiah business was all about. The real Messiah of God, he said, must suffer, must die, and rise again. You remember that from a few weeks ago? And then Jesus says, and then Peter says, no way. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, because that's, that's the devil working about the true mission of Jesus and the true um, being of Jesus. And he said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to pick up your cross and join me, follow me. So as we make this bridge from Epiphany and all the ways in which Jesus' personhood, Messiahship, and so forth has been revealed to the world, we get to the transfiguration, and that too is glorious. But we must remember that Jesus 
said, but after, after, after the disciples heard God's voice say, listen to him, just as he said to the disciples, to the people who were at the baptism of Jesus, listen to him. Jesus said, we're going down in the valley. Because we're about the work of salvation, reconciliation, and healing. First thing they do when they get down there is they do healing. But let's not forget, the disciples saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Surely the presence of the Lord was in that place. I come here to a parish I know somewhat and better after this morning. And I know it through several of you. And I can honestly say, I see the glory of God in your faces. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Not so we can stay here and worship and sing and receive the sacraments. That's all important. But so we can leave here and pick up our crosses. Crosses meaning pick up the willingness to sacrifice for the sake of others. And go out into the world. It's our homes, our schools, our neighborhoods, our state, our world. And be Christ. Show Christ's glory and healing and reconciliation to others. And my invitation to come here means that I'm going to add that that glory of God is not just in the face of human beings who know Christ, who know God, who know the power of God of any faith denomination. It's in your faces, in their faces, but it's also, of course, the glory of God is in all creation. It was St. Francis who understood that after he did something you just did. He got a, a, a message from God. However, we get messages from God, right? We feel it here. We think we hear a voice. Somebody tells us, you know, somehow that voice comes to us that said, rebuild my church. So if you got that message, you probably do what St. Francis did, wouldn't you? You'd, and you did. You rebuilt God's church right here. It's wonderful. It's energy efficient. It's welcoming. You can host a whole bunch of things for the Lord's glory. You did it. And so um, that's what St. Francis did. He went down the street where he worshipped and he started working on repairing the church, rebuilding the church. But then another voice came to God, came to St. Francis. And he then began to understand, and as you understand his life, and I know many of you do, um, his life, he saw the glory of God in every living thing. 
including mountains and hills and valleys and sun and moon and stars and his non-human kin. And that's where God's glory shines as well. And it's our call and our mission, I think, to help people see the glory of God in creation. Yeah, it's about saving the environment and all the things we can do, and we talked about many of them downstairs. Many of the things we can do to reduce our carbon footprints. Many of the things we can do to, to be honest to, with food and water. And all the things we need to do to keep the temperature from going above two degrees centigrade. That's the place where climate change will be its worst and will be hard to undo what we've done. So the glory of God, this is God's house, this is where God is revealed. And every time a piece of it is destroyed or a habitat of a creatures are destroyed or seas rise or warm or coral reefs die or there's, uh, there's uh, droughts or storms, every time that happens, the earth cries out because we are the ones responsible. So in Lent, it's a great time to do what the Lenten journey often asks us to do and think about and pray about. To first of all acknowledge our sin, what we've done individually, corporately, as a country, as a state, as a church. To repent, to be reconciled to creation by doing what we can to heal and reduce our carbon footprint, and to help sustainability with water and food. To remember that it's those who are poor who suffer the most because of climate change. Michael Curry, I should say, the most reverend Michael Curry, is now our presiding bishop. And he has, he didn't come up with the phrase, but he's certainly made he certainly made it big in the church today. He says, we are part of the Jesus movement. And it's being quoted everywhere by everyone. We are part of the Jesus movement. And the Jesus movement is, about, is a justice movement. It's a healing movement. It's a justice movement. And it's an eco-justice movement. So we're not just talking about um, plans we're talking about a movement. And when we see the glory of God in creation and see the suffering of creation, we want to be a part of that movement. So, let's join the Jesus. We've already joined the Jesus movement. I see it on each face. We join the Jesus movement. We join the justice movement. We join the eco-justice movement. And the earth will say thank you. Thank you. I got a. I'm doing this for my mother. I'm also doing it for my grandchildren, right? My great grandchildren and the unborn generations following us, right? We're doing it for them, and they're coming soon enough. But my mom, when we would go down to uh, rent a cabin down near the Cape, we lived in Randolph, grew up in Randolph, 
And uh, so we went down to use a cabin, and, uh, and then we would go home. But before we went home, my mother spent half a day cleaning and scrubbing the cabin. You might say, where was I? Uh, <laughs> I was about six then, and I was out on the beach. And, uh, but my dad was there helping her, too. But I, you know, so I wanted to, I wanted them to come out and play or let's go home or whatever. And my mother said to me, always leave a place better than the way you found it. That's what it means to care for creation. My generation, my kids' generation, and my grandkids' generation, are the three generations that see the glory of God in all creation, and we need to leave it better than the way we found it. Of course, creation was wonderful when I was born and I was a kid. I didn't, all these problems existed then, but they weren't magnified until the industrial world and everything got, got every, uh, all the energy we used. But, but we, can leave, we have a chance to leave this better than the way we found it. If we join the Jesus movement and the justice movement, it will be. Why do we do it? Because I believe that the Climate change is the number one moral justice issue the church and the world faces today. And I know there are other justice issues, and I'm all for it, and I work for them. But we don't have the time to delay our energies on this. So there must be at least 20% of people in congregations and communities working on this movement. It was 20% of the people who made an impact in the civil rights movement. Well, we're still working on civil rights, but the civil rights movement back in the 60s. So we can 20, 30 percent to do this. And we can make a difference. We do it because it's part of our baptismal covenant. Will you serve and seek and love your neighbor as yourself? Who is your neighbor? It's not just people. It's non-human kin in all creation. Will you strive for peace and justice and respect the dignity of every human being and every non-human being? We can add that. I, I do in my head. And now we've got a new one that the General Convention passed this past summer. It's here someplace. It says, Will you... No, that doesn't say that. Oh, I lost it. It says, will you honor and keep the integrity of the earth? That's not doing a very good job. But it's a new... So I asked Tony, do you have any baptisms? And, and I, I've, I've got to urge the bishop to, to say, use this. This is You have permission to do this for trial use. Anyway... That's what the church is doing. This is why we're doing what we're doing for creation. And when we do, we will see glory on the faces of those we not only serve and befriend, but we'll see glory in the faces of each of us. Because this is Christ's work. This is the Jesus movement. So, I'm going to ask you to join me in a song.
little word changes here and there. Some of you might know this song. And we're not going to do it accompanied, I think. I want to, we want to hear each other's voices. <clears throat> it's in your bulletin. comes after the sermon. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Believe it. I believe it. It's true. This is true. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel God's mighty power and God's grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. In the midst of his children, the Lord said he would be. It doesn't take very many. It can be just two or three. And I feel that same sweet spirit that I felt of times before. Surely I can say I've been with the Lord. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. I can feel God's mighty power and his grace. I see clear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. There's a holy hush around us as God's glory fills this earth. I've touched the hem of God's garment. I can almost see God's face and my heart is overflowing with the fullness of God's joy. And I know without a doubt that creation is God's home. Surely the presence of the Lord is everywhere. I can feel God's love and power and God's grace. I can hear creation's call. I see glory in all life. Surely the presence of the Lord is everywhere. May your Lenten journey be a blessing of sacrifice, crosses, glory, and resurrection.